and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, was not a good week number four for both of us for our teams as we both had a very tough time watching our teams play this past weekend. But for other teams, they had a very good successful week and are now moving into week five, looking to continue their hot stretch and get closer to making the postseason this year. But um, a very wild week for, to say the least, a lot of wild finishes, some crazy comebacks. And overall, <laughs> I don't even know. We're about not even a quarter away through the season and a lot of uh, turmoil has happened so far in this uh, NFL year. Are you sure? I thought the NFL season was shortened to four weeks this uh, this season for some odd reason, and I uh, think for, I won't be watching any more football for us. Uh, yeah, year. for yeah, for for my team, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, season's over, and yeah. uh, I hope everyone had a good season. You know, Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, because uh, that's what the league determined this year. Um, After Sunday, yeah. But uh, all right, want to get into the uh, the week four recap? Yeah, we'll get right into it, and we'll start off with the past Thursday game between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, an NFC North divisional matchup, and this was pretty much all Detroit from the get-go. The Packers went into this one, really had nothing going offensively. I think they had one yard of total offense going into the second quarter. That's correct. And they went into halftime trailing 27-3, to so a really big deficit for this team. Kind of made it a little bit interesting towards the end of the third quarter, getting a late touchdown. But the Lions overall dominate this game, what a 34 to 20. Uh, David Montgomery returns from injury, has a monster game for Detroit 32 carries, 121 yards rushing, and three touchdowns for the Detroit Lions. Uh, on the other side for the Green Bay, they were not able to run the football, 27 total yards rushing for them as a team. Jordan Love had some on and off moments, did throw two interceptions. And the Lions make a huge time statement in this game getting the win. They're actually going to, they're going to be getting Jamison Williams now coming back this upcoming weekend in their next game. So that's another big weapon for that offense. And they right now look like the clear-cut favorite to win this division after a performance like this. Yeah, is this? I know Jordan Love, this is his fourth year in the NFL technically, but this is his first year as a full-time starter. This was his welcome to the NFL moment. He came into, believe it or not, a somewhat hostile home stadium because the Green Bay Packers had to put a statement out on uh, their social media platforms it advising did. Green Bay Packers season ticket holders, which own the vast majority of the tickets. It's very hard to get Green Bay t- Packer tickets not going through the secondary markets like uh, like SeatGeek or StubHub or tic- or um, or any other uh, any Seat other Geek, Viv- uh, Vivid, Vivid Seats, yeah, any yeah. any other like third Ticketmaster, party or secondary uh, game well, time, yeah, yeah. I can go on. <laughs> I can go on and on too. But it's very hard to get a ticket on the primary market, like a ticket master, like you said. So you really have to go to the secondary market. And the Green Bay Packers made the statement because, believe it or not, I would say one third of the stadium was Detroit Lion fans. Right. So it, it was somewhat hostile. Like it got loud in there. And to me, that is a embarrassment, not on behalf of the ticket holders that did not show up. It clearly wants sometimes to make some money on selling tickets. I do it with the Knicks. Uh, I've done it with St. John's. I completely get it. You can't go to every game. But it was classless on behalf of the Green Bay Packers saying that, that they should only sell to other Packer fans. Um, I, I, I get it, but, you know, that's the internal. It's kind of how what the Rams did a couple. If you remember the uh, NFC Championship game against the Niners, they were telling their fans don't sell any tickets. And yeah. you're, you're the only one that can come to the and, game. And you've seen more extreme examples like the Carolina uh, Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers when they've played in the playoffs. Yep. Like, oh, if you have to be in North Carolina to buy tickets. And let's be real. Uh, you, you, you're going to – this just adds fuel to the fire because someone who maybe was on the fence of going now, now they're definitely going to come pack your stadium. Now that's just kind of – you're kind of poking the bear yeah, at that yeah, point. Exactly. But Jordan Love had a uh, – he, he played like a rookie. That's what he looked like. He looked pretty mortal. He kind of redeemed himself towards the end, getting some garbage time touchdowns. But man, for the first half of that game, he was completely out of sync. It was uh, it wasn't even fair. And it looks like it's Detroit's division to lose because Chicago's pitiful. The, the, the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I want to like them so badly. I want to like, but they they kind of dug themselves in a hole already. Green Bay just got trounced on their home field advantage by Detroit. And it's looking like it's, it's going to be a Lions division, which is crazy to say. Maybe the first time in, like, what, 20 years? Maybe not Longer 20 years. That, but, honestly. But, man, it's been a minute since Detroit won. 
Yeah, and you're a Lions fan. you got to be loving what's happening right now. I mean, obviously, a tough Week 2 matchup against Seattle did not go their way. They upset the Kansas City Chiefs in Week Number 1. Um, and now they come back here in Week Number 4 after being the Falcons last week. Did a great job overall on both sides of the ball. And they've got to be feeling really confident, especially with the way the NFC is right now. They've got to feel like they can easily, they could have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. It's really down to them, Dallas, Philly, and San Francisco. They've got to be one of those top four teams to make it for the NFC this year. So a win like this definitely put makes another big statement. And that's another statement that realistically tells the NFL world, hey, listen, we're for real. This is our chance. Uh, by the way, it's 30 years. I figured, okay, maybe I know they had like a sneaky year where kind of like the, I figured the entire NFC North kind of sucked, but no, it's been 30 years. It's, um, it's been a while. So, hey, this could be a banner year for Detroit and just, uh, just don't choke now. Well, if the Lions fans have experienced enough heartbreak in their life, they're hoping that it does not continue again the rest of the way. But let's move on to the Sunday's action this past Sunday and, it started off with our first London game of the year between the Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I wonder, uh, Johnson, where did you watch this game? Did you watch the regular uh, broadcast or the um, the Toy Story theme broadcast for this one? Well, you know, I, I I tried to find the Toy Story broadcast. I'm not gonna lie, I don't have ESPN Plus, so I figured that was an option. So I watched the regular broadcast. Okay. And I did see the Toy Story. Now, well, well, I what what I will say is, excuse me. <laughs> it's okay. It was impressive because they were animating this in real time. Right. So it was a couple seconds. I mean, it's on a delay. It's on a couple second delay, but I think it was like much- a player two like delay from the actual broadcast. Yeah. So it's about a thirty second delay, but they're animating that in real time, which is an impressive feat. I don't know how practical this will be going forward. Is this going to actually attract? It looked pretty cool. Viewers? Yeah. It was. It was cool. Um, I think this is more for the dads who you know the kids have Sunday morning cartoons. Right, and they want to watch some football. The game, the exact game of football. Exactly, that's what the uh, whole thing was for. Yeah, and I don't know if it's actually going to be marketed towards. I know it's marketed towards children, but I don't know if it's going to get them into footballs. I think it's more for them. The kids realize, oh, it's a kids show. But meanwhile, meanwhile, dad's watching the game in the same room with them. So I think that's what some of the dads are watch Toy Story as a child. So it's nostalgia feeling. Also, yeah, it's coming full circle now. Yeah, but anyway, for the game itself, I mean. Desmond Ritter, it's been really a rough start to the season for him. Uh, Bijan Robinson was a beast in this game once again for Atlanta. But the Falcons are having a lot of offensive issues right now. Ritter, as I mentioned, has been struggling. They haven't been able to get Kyle Pitts involved whatsoever on the offensive side of the ball. And they really had no match for Jacksonville in this game. Trevor Lawrence had an all right game, nothing too crazy. Did only have seven incompletions, had a touchdown pass, had a couple good runs. But Jaguars handled this game pretty much, you know, all the way from the get-go, winning by final 23-7. to They get their second win of the year. Atlanta now drops to 2-2, two and two, so after starting 2-0, and oh, they've now lost two straight. And the questions about quarterback are really going to be going on for the next couple of weeks for this team because if Ritter continues to play like this, they could go to Taylor Heineke, who we've seen before has had success as a starting quarterback with Washington. So there could be a QB change sooner rather than later, uh, later Excuse me, in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been that impressive. I, uh, you know, I, I really want to believe in young quarterbacks. I do, but it hasn't been the greatest start, especially when he has such offensive talent like Kyle Pitts. I was speaking, which John U. Smith, the guy who got cut by the Patriots, who can't get a receiver to, they couldn't catch a cold right now, had yep. six receptions for 95 yards. Meanwhile, you have Kyle Pitts on your team. Yep. So I don't know the way. They're using him in Atlanta, but clearly not to the best ability. Because I feel like if they were running up better offensive sets, I feel like Desmond Ritter would be doing a lot better. Because I think it's more of a coaching problem, to be honest. I would give uh, Des- Desmond Ritter the benefit of the doubt if he had a co- coaching change uh, that could utilize the player's uh, abilities better. He'd be doing better right now. I'm not sure. I don't know realistically what could be the thing that fixes the offense right now. I think you have to keep trying to get Bijan Robinson the ball as much as possible considering how he's played so far. That's probably the brightest spot the Falcons have had so far in the young season. Bijan has been an absolute beast so far throughout the ground. He's also made some good catches and made some moves after the catch. So the Falcons will need to try to get him involved a lot more than they have been, but they've done a good job so far of giving him carries. Now they'll probably have to increase that workload in order to give Ritter an opportunity to win some of these games down the stretch of the season. Because 
there's still a realistic chance they could win this division and make the postseason because the NFC South is, you know, it's, it's a lot better we, than advertised. I will say it has been playing better than advertised. Absolutely, I will agree with that. But I still think you have a really good shot of winning that division just because compared to some of the top tier teams in the in the NFC, um, that division just really doesn't have that team. So it gives your rest of your competition an opportunity to make that postseason mark. So Atlanta still has a great opportunity. They just need Ritter to play a lot better down the stretch of the season. So I'm curious to see if they do make a QB change down the stretch, but we'll have to find out. Uh, we'll go to the next game on our schedule, and it was a pretty good shootout between this between these two an NFC East rivals. It was an unintentional shootout. A lot right. of the shooting happened in one half and then in the second half of the other team. Yeah, and we had the Washington Commanders going into Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Commanders looked very good to start this game. At one point, we're up 10 points with a minute 39 to go in the first half. Took a touchdown lead going into the half. The Eagles would come back in the third quarter and take the lead. Then they would even go up late in the fourth on a touchdown to A.J. Brown, who had a monster game. But on the final play uh, regulation, Sam Howell gets Jahan Dotson for a touchdown to tie the game, send it into overtime. But unfortunately for Washington, they were not able to capitalize on OT. They lose this one 34-31. Washington's been giving the Eagles a lot of problems in the last couple of years. They remember the, if you remember uh, what happened last season, they handed the Eagles their first loss of the season on the road in Philadelphia, almost handed them their first loss of the season this year again, just were not able to get it done. And the Eagles go now to 4-0 in the year. Jalen Hurts throws for 319 and two touchdowns, just out dueling Sam Howell, who threw for 290 and a touchdown. Um... I'd mentioned A.J. Brown, nine catches for 175 and two DDs. Finally has that breakout game this season for the Eagles after a slow start on the early part of the year. But if you're a Washington fan, you got to like what you you know, you know put up in this game against a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and a team that you know that you've, you've beaten before. So if Sam Howell continues to play like this, the Commanders have a really good realistic shot of making the postseason this year. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're looking good so far. Uh, is Sam Howell that guy? I mean, he's had moments this season where he looks that absolutely one. brilliant. And then, man, last week was ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah. Dude, if you if you remove that Buffalo game, if you just want to, you know, CIA, you know, men in black, erase your mind. Yeah, I mean, listen. No, it's the right here. term. If you want to just erase your mind from that game, if that September 24th doesn't happen, He's looking like a really good quarterback, but uh, you know he's still a second-year quarterback. He still has a lot to learn, and right. the Eagles' defense wasn't uh, isn't the easiest to play against. So that kind of gives a uh, if you're a Washington Commanders fan, if you're a fan of Commander Tutty, if you're a fan of Magic Johnson, you have something to look forward to. Yeah, so we'll have to see. I think they could have a, a, a really good chance of making the postseason as a wild card team because it's just going to be really tough to win that division with Philadelphia, Dallas in front of your way, but. Moving on to the next game, uh, where do you even start with this one, uh, Johnson, between Denver and Chicago? Well, uh, so I'm going to completely ignore the uh, a lot of this, but this is how I'm going to start it off for you okay. listeners at home. Uh, Chicago had a 28-point lead led by Justin Fields' greatest NFL performance of all time, throwing for four touchdowns through three quarters. Absolutely phenomenal game. Had, I think, over 300 yards on the day passing. Was great yep. on the ground. And then in the fourth quarter, they blew a 21-point lead. Yeah, and they, because they And how they blew that 21-point lead is because they went on fourth and one. They went for it on fourth and one when they should have kicked the field goal. Because if they would have kicked the field goal, they would have had a chance to win it at the end, too. Because during that comeback, if they kicked the field goal, they would have had a chance to stop the bleeding. They eventually they would have taken the lead. And we wouldn't be talking about this. But instead, Sean Payton gets blessed by the football gods for whatever reason, because everyone knows he doesn't deserve it, and gets gifted a win. After he had said Nathaniel Hackett had the worst coaching job of all time. No, this is the worst coaching job of all time. He is squandering all of his talent, and he should be he should be winless right now. Well, I do. I completely, and Matty should be fired. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's another game I wanted to put on our mushing hour schedule. I forgot the Jets are playing the Broncos this coming weekend, so it's there's painful. a lot. There's a lot. Of, it's not a great game on paper, but there's a lot of storylines going into that game about Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett. So that might be a game we might cover a little bit later on in the show. But in terms of this game, it really was a tale of two halves. The Bears controlled the entire first half, had a 14 point lead, 
even went up by 21 at one point and, you know, late in the third quarter. Denver would finally get a touchdown and make it a two-possession game going into the fourth. And then they finally, you know, broke it open. 17 unanswered points in that fourth quarter, culminating with a late field goal by Will Lutz with a minute 46 left in the game. And uh, another really, you know, rough game for Chicago. They finally get a monster game out of Justin Fields. He throws for 335 and four touchdowns, did have an interception, and a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to say those weren't his fault either. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it wasn't his fault. And yeah, he play, he plays by far his best game of his entire NFL career. And unfortunately, it just was not enough to win this game because the Bears defense in the second half was just brutal. Russell Wilson looked pretty good in the second half. He was 21-28 for the game with 223 and three touchdowns. So if there's been something good for Denver, it's that their offense is you know finally getting the production they expected last season. It's just on now the opposite side, their, offense, their defense has now become one of the worst in the NFL. And for Chicago, I mean, I don't know how many more silver. I don't even know if there's a silver lining at the end of the tunnel because. Well, I think the silver lining is um, it looks like Justin Fields was playing a lot more free and it looks like he wasn't being overcoached. So I think if you get rid of Matt Eberflus, who hasn't won a game since October of 2022, and you you just kind of let off the uh, let Justin Fields off the leash a little bit, he's going to look great. He's going to be a fantastic quarterback. Right, and keep in mind, with their loss and the Panthers' loss, they currently hold the number one and number two pick in this NFL, upcoming NFL draft. So who even knows? And if honestly, because not, not to cut you off, it looks yeah. like Caleb Williams isn't going to declare. You take Marvin Harrison and you take an offensive lineman. That's where you do with those two picks. The offensive line is an issue also for the Bears. That is true. So it's very possible they could do something like that if uh, Caleb Williams was to not come out. But... Man, what another another tumultuous loss for the Chicago team that has been dealing with so much throughout just four weeks in the season. And to believe it or not, they got a primetime game this upcoming weekend on Thursday against the Commanders. So now the entire NFL world is going to potentially see just how badly this has been going for Chicago. Maybe they could sneak out their first win of the year, but the way it's been going, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Um, but they almost weren't the... You know, we're not the only team that almost blew a lead this past weekend. I know you want to maybe get into this, or maybe I will. Um, how about the Los Angeles Rams almost blowing a big-time lead against the Indianapolis Colts on the road? I believe they were up 17 points at one point, or 23 nothing at a point in this game. And the Colts were able to rally back and send this game into overtime. Without Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Anthony Richardson looked really good. His first game back, remember, from that concussion. And... He led the charge back. They were down 23-0, got a touchdown late in the third, were able to tie it in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, our favorite player, Johnson, Puka Nakua, gave the game-winning touchdown in overtime to give the Los Angeles Rams a must-needed win to go to 2-2. Puka Nakua becoming one of the biggest surprises of the season now. The reason why he got drafted in the fifth round for anyone who doesn't follow college football was he was a phenomenal receiver in college. However, he could never stay healthy. So the health is always the main concern. So he always showed those glimpses of greatness, but he was always had an injury concern. Even if he played full seasons, he was always like on the on the injury report list. He was always day to day, week to week. But now it's shown that he kind of shook that. He he's not that's not his narrative anymore. That's not his MO. And he's, you know. Really showing out in the NFL, he he broke the uh, he's on pace right now to break the rookie reception uh, uh, rookie reception, reception record. Yep. Yes, rookie reception record. It's a lot of R's. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> uh, and I believe it's currently held by Odell Beckham Jr. of one twenty two, but he's on pace to break that right now. Yeah, he's had a monster start, and the thing they're going to get Cooper Cup back very soon too. So the Rams. We didn't expect them maybe to be a wild card team, but they have played better than I expected so far throughout these first four games. They could maybe be a sneaky wild card team at the end of the day, just because of how you know surprisingly well their offense has been. They had a, a stinker against the Bengals on Monday night the previous week, but they had an all right game here. A bad second half for sure, but getting Cooper Cup back with the way Puka Nakua has been playing, and also they had good contributions out of Tutu Atwell as well. Um, they have a good realistic shot of maybe being a wild card team for the NFC this year. I mean, it's definitely possible, but I don't want to count our chickens before we hatch. Let right. me see one or two more weeks before we uh before we give you an answer on that one. Right. 
Um, the next game we have, and we'll take two sides of this game. I'll, um, I'll defer to you for the Texan side of point of view for this game, and I'll go to the Steelers side of this game. Um, the Texans dominate this game and beat the Steelers 30-6. to Wasn't um, even close. Was not close. CJ Stroud looked unbelievable again. I'll let you talk about him a little bit more in just a second. Uh, Steelers looked really bad again offensively. They lose Kenny Pickett to this game. They're not sure of the severity of the injury, but... They also lose Pat Fryer move. They also did lose Pat Frymuth, correct. So they did lose another two big offensive weapons, considering what they lost earlier in the year as well. So the Steelers are dealing with some rough offensive times. But I know you would maybe want to talk about the Houston Texans and how they played these past two weeks, especially with the quarterback play of C.J. Stroud. He's been unbelievable so far. Yeah, four, uh, three combined offensive touchdowns through the air, two for C.J. Stroud, one for Devin Singletary. But one thing I will say about C.J. Stroud is he's lacking accuracy right now. He's able to sling that thing down the field, but uh, he's only completing maybe around 60% of his passes right now. So get it up to 65, get up to 66, just a little bit more. And if he keeps on doing what he's doing, because he has no picks right now, six, uh, if he's thrown, I think, six touchdowns in the last four games, uh, I don't think he has any on the uh, on the ground yet, but he's looking phenomenal. And is he a steal of this draft, or maybe he just has a better offensive line than Bryce Young does? Who knows? Well, Bryce, yeah. He, well, keep in mind the Texans' offensive line is dealing with so many injuries as well. I think they lost another off starting offensive lineman today, Kenyon Green. I think he just went on the IR. I, the Texans, I think, went into this game with three of their five offensive linemen injured. I would also like to point out that Nico Collins has 428 receiving yards on the season. Yeah. I think that's almost as much as he had at Michigan in any of his years, and it's only yeah. been four games. So uh, good job, Harbaugh. You really knew how to utilize that He's, guy. Well, remember, Nico Collins was a variation of a running back slash wide receiver at Michigan, and yeah, that's I what mean, the Texans originally had him as in year number one with him. Yeah, and then they realized, oh, wait, this guy's an actual – like he's a really good receiver. Let's use him like that. Let's use him as like one of our main guys, and here he is now. Yeah, that's big for Houston that they're getting Collins to play this well. Tank Dell had a, a really good game the previous week. Didn't really show up anything in this week. He didn't have to. The Texans have done this with guys that, you know, I don't even, you can't even think, I couldn't even think of who their clear-cut number one wide receiver is. I think going into the year, it was Robert Woods, the veteran. Yeah, and he's kind of just uh, disappeared a and little bit. No offense to him. Right, and they're using guys like Nico Collins and Tank Dell. They got John Mechie back, thankfully. And they're doing it with a lot off, you know, guys that you wouldn't expect to be going off, but it's working so far for them. And they're right now tied for the AFC South lead. So it's been a great start for them. But on the other side of the thing for the Steelers, you don't know what the severity of the injury is for Pickett. Uh, he might not start this week against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, but even if he doesn't, you don't have Pat Frymuth now after his injury this week. He's going to be out for two to three weeks. Um, you also lost Deontay Johnson at the beginning of the season. He's still out with his injury. Uh, George Pickens is realistically now their best option they have offensively. Because he might request he might he could be uh, requested trade by the end of the season too. Who knows? But look at the way the offense has been. Najee Harris was on and off of this game. He has not been able to be you know been consistently all good all season throughout the first four weeks. Jalen Warren has been taking carries away from him, and now with the injury to Pickett, it might be Mitch Trubisky starting for them this week. They're two and two. The offense has looked really bad. And there's been, you know, the same rumors that we had last season with Matt Canada, you know, maybe getting fired, but nothing has changed so far for this team. And it's just going to be consistent, you know, they're going to continue to be this badly consistently if they don't make a change, I think, in the next couple of weeks or at the end of the season, at least. Yeah, and I think that really sums up at least the uh, first couple games. Let's get into our next game, though, because we kind of talked about the Texans, we talked about the Rams. Let's talk about a team that um, was the bell of the ball last week, but now it's the uh, now they've a bridesmaid. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Bills absolutely throttling the Dolphins, showing them that they are frauds and that they played played a Mickey Mouse team against a uh, Mickey Mouse defense. Nick, why don't you break it down? Oh well, I was in Buffalo this past week. I was not at this game because the day of my uh, vacation, I left on that Sunday as the kickoff was beginning in Buffalo. But Bills fans were very rowdy for this one as they were taking on the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, the Dolphins are coming off that 70-point performance the week before against Denver. The Bills coming off that throttling over Washington and their previous game. And the Bills, this was, a, this was a shootout throughout the first half of this game. Stephon Diggs was having a monster game. Uh, we saw Devin, uh, uh, 
what I forgot how we said is it a Chan? A Chan. A Chan. He had another good game for Miami. It looks like he's now started to become the clear-cut number one running back on in that backfield. But the Bills control both sides of the ball realistically throughout most of this game. They were able to beat the Dolphins 48 to 20. Um, I mentioned Stefan Diggs. He had six for 120 and three receiving touchdowns. Most of that came in the first half of this game. Josh Allen threw for four touchdowns, also had a rushing touchdown in this game. So a five-touchdown game for Josh Allen against this defense. Really good mark for him. And Buffalo, they make a big-time statement. A lot of people were doubting them after the loss of the Jets in week number one. They get this win over a Miami team that put up 70 the week before. They now go to 3-1. and one. Dolphins now fall to 3-1. and one, And they'll have to try to rebounce back in their next game. They are playing the Giants, so they most likely will rebounce back, unfortunately, for my sake. But nonetheless, Buffalo, this is a very impressive win. And you got to like what Josh Allen gave you in this game, considering he only had four incompletions throughout the entire day. Yeah, I'm not really believing in the Miami defense. Uh, we've seen Josh Allen play terribly, and we've seen him. We've seen the very highs and very lows all in the four weeks, man. And what usually happens with Buffalo is this is their Super Bowl. Like they'll have yeah, a game like this midway from this, maybe, maybe not like midway through the season, and then or uh, like you know four or five games of the season, and this is their Super Bowl. So, uh, come talk to me in about ten more weeks. Yeah, we'll have to see. Buffalo does have a London game upcoming against the Jaguars this Sunday, so a bit of a change of scenery for them this week, taking on a Jaguars team that just was in London this past weekend against Atlanta. But speaking of change of sceneries, we saw a change of scenery at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this past Sunday. Uh, Deshaun Watson was rumored to be starring this game for Cleveland, but had had injury issues throughout the entire week, was trying to get make the, you know, make sure he could play on Sunday. And unfortunately he just was not able to get, you know, get the start due to those injuries. So rookie quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA got the start for the Browns in this one. And let's face facts. The the rookie had no chance realistically against a Ravens defense that is very Jekyll and Hyde, but when they have their good games, they really show out and they showed out on this one, really making the rookie make it, uh, you know, may, you know, um, pay for his mistakes. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, he had three interceptions on the day, was sacked four times, and the Ravens offense had a, a pretty much a field day in terms of both passing and running. Lamar Jackson had two passing touchdowns, both of them to Mark Andrews, and the Ravens win the 28-3. Not much really to talk about this game. Baltimore gets a nice win on the road. Cleveland now has to hope going into their bye week that Deshaun Watson is healthy going into their next game, but yeah, big time statement for Baltimore considering what happened the previous week with that loss to the Colts. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a statement win for Baltimore. They looked really good. Lamar Jackson looked really good. Uh, Cleveland, uh, it's just it's very very tough because the they're, season they're looked so promising two weeks ago when you had Nick Chubb, you had Deshaun Watson. It was look it was kind of looking like it could have been special. Um, but the wheels kind of fell off the wagon pretty early. That, that's that's the main issue. They, uh, again, this is a backup quarterback, but a 28 to three final is not very pretty to look at. I, I guess the, the, uh, there's a silver line to this is that David Njoku is starting to look good because he's been pretty consistent throughout these last I couple of games. Remember what happened to him going into this game? He had the, um, the burns on his face and his hand. So there was a, there was a question if he was going to start this game, but yeah, I mean, thankfully look, he did. He's looking like an okay tight end, especially if he can get more, um, more touches to him. He looked like he could be a starting tight end for the next five, 10 years for Cleveland. But I think that's the biggest positive. Um, you know, no Nick Chubb, no Deshaun Watson. He, David Njoku was your best receiver. Uh, Elijah Moore is MIA. Uh, it, it was a, it yeah, was a rough Cooper's week. The, the best thing they have receiving wise, but he couldn't get the ball this week with the, the way the Ravens pass rush was. And they just really had and no chance with a rookie quarterback. It he, does had, he, he had one reception for the game, and that's it. After ha- having a couple of really strong weeks, and um, it comes down to quarterback play. So, well, until Sean's back, it's he's going to struggle a little bit. Well, you talk about struggling. Uh, we have spoke a lot about this team in terms of struggling this season, but how about the Cincinnati Bengals? I don't another, want to talk about it. Another dud this past weekend, losing to the Tennessee Titans twenty-seven to three. I don't even know where you begin. They can't. They still can't run the ball. 
I mean, Mixon had an all right game, but they didn't really try to run the ball with him. Burrow just has not been the same quarterback. He went 20 of 30 for 165, didn't have a touchdown, didn't have a pick. Derrick Henry had more pass touchdowns than him in this game. Uh, he was sacked three times, a QBR of 14. And the Titans had a field day. Derrick Henry also had 122 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown. And the Titans defense looked really good in this game. Bengals lose T. Higgins to an injury. We don't know the severity of that. So now you already have all these offensive issues going on for the Bengals, and now Higgins goes down with an injury. And now they're 1-3 in the season. They are really in desperation ties right now because another loss puts you at 1-4, and four, and I'm not sure if they can you can recover from a 1-4 and four start. You mean you can recover from a one and four start? I don't know if it's ever been done before. It might. It probably has been done, but it's the the doesn't happen the often. Odds, I mean, the odds are very low. I had to, I had to guess. Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely possible, but um, I would say if Cincinnati doesn't figure it out this uh, this weekend, uh, I think they're done. Yeah, I, I I really I don't know. They have been the most confusing team this entire year for me because and, you you didn't really lose. Yes, I know they lost their two starting safeties, but on the offensive side of the ball, they didn't really lose anything. No, you kept T. Higgins, you have Jamar Chase, you have Joe Mixon, you got, I think, an upgrade at tight end with Irv Smith. And you know what the perfect scenario for this? This is kind of how I felt as a Giants fan in week number two. You had a embarrassing loss the previous week. You're going now to Arizona this upcoming weekend, and this might be your season right here. A win, and you might, might salvage it, a loss to Arizona. That might end it all for this Cincinnati team. Yeah, I mean they still have a chance to make the um, to make the playoffs. Like, they it's might, not like, but oh, it's gonna be tough because like, we're not saying like, oh my god, they're done. Like, no, just win the next two games and then take it from there. But because of the wild card team, are... it might it might have you might have to win 10, 11 games as a wild card in the AFC. Yeah, and that's the problem. Um, but I still think they can do it. I still think they can come out and salvage a ten win season. Guys, Burrow's got to get healthier. That's just another thing, too. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you if you lose this upcoming game, just shut Burrow down. Everyone knows he's not playing. He's not 100% healthy. He's got some issues right now. So if he doesn't win this, shut him down and let him just... Uh, they might shut him down. They might trade T. Higgins. It's, it's possible. Yeah, just literally, sh- little, there's nothing wrong with letting your quarterback get healthy for a season. It's not like you're losing a lot of people. Um, just let him get healthy for a year. Imagine the Bengals tank for Marvin Harrison. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah, imagine they tank for Marvin. That's, Harrison, that's you, just what the NFL needs. And then you, and then you trade T. Higgins for whatever you get. Maybe you probably, you probably get, a second, get a second round pick yeah, for him. Get a second round pick. And then the second round, you get a, another elite wide receiver. It's definitely possible. So I'm curious what happens for them, but they gotta win this upcoming weekend in Arizona. Um, I know you don't really want to talk about it, but we have to get into this next one between uh, the didn't Patriots happen. and the Cowboys. Nope, I was asleep this weekend. Uh, I, I wish I was asleep too this weekend. Don't worry. Uh, we'll talk about my team in a little bit. But is there anything realistically you want to talk about in this game between Dallas and New England? A 38-3 to win for the Cowboys. They now go to 3-1. Yeah, he, I think, uh, Patriots I, I fall think, to 1-3 now I think Mac year. Jones suffered a concussion because he was playing fine, and then he got turned into a human scorpion by the Dallas defense, uh, and his head went pretty hard in the background. That's the only thing I could explain. Maybe it was a little foggy from getting hit in the head so hard. Um Offensive line is bad. The wide receivers are bad, um, and you had two big injuries on the defensive side this week. Too. Yeah, I mean, we it's it's tough to see Matt Judon get injured and Christian Gonzalez get injured. Uh, to me, if those two guys are done, and you have a heart and soul of your defense right now, I think you just got to shut down the season. Just shut everyone down. Come back next year. Uh, tank from Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe get um. Uh, I, I don't. I don't even know what I would want. Actually, no. This I would trade. I would trade up for the first round, and I would take two offensive linemen. I don't even care. I would just get two offensive linemen. Maybe well, I would get. Maybe I would get Brock Bowers. Maybe that would be a a good a good pick because at least he could block and receive. Well, I will say this: you have a, a, a very. I want to say I. I would say a winnable game because the Saints are not that great game. of a team. So you could still savage something if you were able to beat the Saints, but. You have to know going into this one, it was going to be a tough game against Dallas. They they still, I know that they came off the loss to the Cardinals the previous week, but they still on paper have a good roster. And they look like the team that I saw in week number one against the Giants, where defense was firing on all cylinders. Dak had a good had a good enough game to win. This would be the most Patriots thing ever. The team that beat, after the game beat down by the Cowboys, they beat the team that beat the Cowboys. That would be the most Patriots thing ever. 
yeah, so I, I don't know. There's a chance to redeem yourself since the coming weekend with the Saints. They've already ruled out that it's not going to be Bailey Zappi starting a quarterback. It's going to be Mac no, Jones like again. Anyone say, oh, he got benched. Like, yeah, you, you know it what? Because you, you yeah. bench your quarterback. It was a when, it, when You bench your quarterback when the game is not winnable to protect his health and safety. I mean, that's why, like, listen, week one of the Cowboys game, what was everyone saying in the third quarter? Why is Daniel Jones still out there? That's what everyone was saying. Now, oh, Mac Jones got benched. Oh, well, now there's quarterback controversy. There is no quarterback controversy. Right. They let this. They literally let this guy drop, and 31 other teams had the opportunity to pick him up, and no one picked him up. Right. So, to me, there's no controversy. So, we'll have to see. But you talked about controversy. There was definitely some controversy on Sunday Night Football between the Chiefs and the Jets. Um, a very questionable holding call called on Sauce Gardner late in the game that cost the Jets the win in this one against the Chiefs. You got to admit, I know you're not a Jets fan, but they did play pretty well against this Chiefs team, especially considering the Chiefs the fact aren't that they were that down good. 17-0. I've said this before, the Chiefs aren't that good. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, imp- I'm not impressed. I've said the only real team I think I believe in are the 49ers. That's, I don't think the Chiefs are that good. That's fair. I, you know, I, look at the, look how they've played throughout the season. They've had all these squeaky wins the entire year so far. Besides the Bears game, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, you play the Bears who can't hold on to a twenty-one-point lead versus one of the worst, uh, the, the worst teams in football right now in the, in the Denver Broncos, literally playing yeah. tank ball, and you lose to the Lions. You ba- no, I'm not really, I'm not really that impressed by the Chiefs so far. And it's it's a weird game too because you look at the stats. Zach Wilson out out dueled Patrick Mahomes in this one. Uh, I I gotta give Zach Wilson credit. He's had so much criticism the last couple of weeks, but. He had a really good game overall. He went 28-39 for 245 and two yeah, passing a, touchdowns. A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. It, right. it happens. He just unfortunately had a, a tough fumble late in the game, and that was the end of you know, that was the last drive the Jets would have in the game. That was with seven minutes left, and the Chiefs would have a seven-minute drive to end the entire game. But on that seven-minute drive, there was so much controversy in it. The Chiefs had a third and twenty-two Patrick Mahomes first down run in which Jermaine Johnson for the Jets was getting held. They didn't call a penalty on it. They called a penalty on the Jets for illegal contact on the defense, which would have been an automatic first down nonetheless for the Chiefs. Then there was the holding on Sauce Gardner in which the Jets got an interception on the play. So that negated that play. And then Mahomes got a first down run to to ice it. And for people that bet the Chiefs minus 10, he <laughs> he he kind of screwed everyone over, and by kind I mean he definitely screwed everyone over because it definitely cost people a lot of money because they were not able to at least push this game. They only hang on to win by three points by a final of twenty three to twenty. They go to three and one. They play the Vikings this upcoming weekend. The Jets that now go be to Denver, win. and they're both one and three. So it wouldn't surprise me if both these teams actually win. If the Jets beat Denver and the um. And the uh, the Chiefs should be Chiefs Minnesota. Be, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if both these teams. I mean, the Jets would be more um, more surprising. But. I will say, I, I think at the end of the day, the, the silver line for the Jets is you, you finally got a good game in Zach Wilson. You now need to see if that could be consistent enough to maybe salvage your season and maybe get a wild card. But I'm not sure how consistently it's going to be with him because you've seen flashes of good, good quarterback play, but you've also seen really bad quarterback play. There's really no in-between for a guy like Zach Wilson. So you need to find, you know, you need to hope that he has another good game like this in order to give the Jets an opportunity to get their second win of the season. Yeah. And I guess we'll find out. And I guess the, uh, we'll save the, the best game for last, right? We can just uh, barely touch this if you want. And if you want, I, I I'll, gotta, summar- I'll I summarize gotta, most of it. So you don't have you to can go summarize through. it. I'll summarize because I was at this game. So you, I will summarize the atmosphere for this game. All right, so I will give the play-by-play, and Nick will give the atmosphere. Yeah. So this was a big game for the Giants. They came in, I think, one or two point favorites. This game, they two were. and a, uh, they they were they were a one point favorite going into it until Saquon and Andrew Thomas were both ruled out. So Seattle went into the game at Monday night, like an hour before kickoff. Yeah, that's the favorite. Right. So they have a wonderful, wonderful drive that results in nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have. I Can't mean, do a push I w- push. You can't, yeah, I mean, it's the Brotherly Shove, as the Eagles call it. The Giants go for a Brotherly Shove in their own end zone uh, or in their own uh, own territory. They should have taken the field goal because they go for it and they don't get it right. So then Geno Smith goes down field and he scores a touchdown. 
Okay, that's cool. There's uh, a lot of stuff back and forth, some fumbling, there's some muff puns, there's whatever referees. going back and forth. There's some referees calling some stuff, because at one point it was Seahawks versus referees, which was kind of funny. I found it to be hilarious. You know, watching a first and 30, that's pretty funny. But at the end of all this, the Giants end up kicking a field goal, right? So the Giants end up getting on the board. So right now it's 7-3, to three, and you're late in the second quarter. The Giants kick it back, the Seahawks can't do anything. Um, that's great, right? That's fantastic. But, uh, they left, they left this guy called Noah Fant wide open, who only had two receptions on the entire day, by the way, but he gets a 51 yard reception. And Lo- keep in mind, that was with Drew Locke because Geno Smith got hurt at that point yeah. in the game. Yeah. So this is Drew Locke is in the game because Geno got hurt and there was a lot of chippiness going back and forth. So he thinks he did it on purpose. He came yeah. back later in the game and started chirping more. But Noah Fant goes out the one yard line. So you give the Kenneth Walker, whatever. Okay. So you're down 14 3 going into half because they couldn't get anything after that, after that drive. Whatever. The Giants could get it out the kickoff. It'll be fine, right? Uh, a lot of back and forth, more chirpiness, a lot more penalty flags going back and forth. In the third quarter, finally, the Giants are in the red zone. They're, you could smell the goal line here. You, Ten feet away from getting in that end zone and scoring a touchdown and making it a 14-10 game going into the fourth quarter. And Nick, how was the atmosphere at that point when they were on that drive? Well, going into it, everyone was already fed up because the Giants could not do anything offensively. So the fact that they got to the three-yard line at that point, everyone was was like, okay, we're one step away. We've been running the ball well, keep running the ball, get into the end zone, or at least get some kind of, kind of points and make this a one-possession game. Because at the end of the day, the Giants had a great chance to win the game. But I'll let you uh, finish what eventually did happen, unfortunately. So th- so Daniel Jones goes, he rolls out of pocket, and then he does a crossbody pass to Devin Witherspoon, the, uh, the rookie quarterback out of Illinois. Got a big his, game last night. That was his first career interception. He returns at 97 yards, go to the house, he got a touchdown. He must have been absolutely gassing at, the, at that point. So that, then after that pick six, after what should have been a 14-10 game, it becomes a 21-3 game, and... That pretty much sealed the game because the Giants were down 18 points going into the fourth quarter after having two offensive drives that should have ended in points. In realistic, in reality, the Giants could have won this game. It was they a bunch have. of mistakes that it was bone. And to a certain extent, it's coaching. You take the points that early in the game. You don't go for it in the first quarter. I, I don't mind. I didn't mind them going for it though. There, fourth. Yeah, and but one. listen, the Giants. If you actually break this down, the Giants had more first downs. They had the same, pretty much the same amount of rushing yeah, yards, time passing yards, time possession too. Yeah, they had. They had it more. But what it boils down to is that the offensive line again kind of let Daniel Jones down. Eleven sacks on the day. Now I realize he rolled out of the pocket a bunch of times. He got sacked that way. Even if you say that half the time. Oh, yeah, that's because half the time you roll out I, of pocket. That's still five or six sacks let up by your offensive line. Yeah. That's one a quarter. That's that's more than one a quarter. That's unacceptable. There were a bunch of times where he would go back and he would have the open receivers, but he couldn't – he wouldn't – he either wouldn't, wouldn't throw it because of the offensive line or because he wasn't finding – he was only making one read. It wasn't looking at the second read. Yeah, so overall, very tough game for the New York football Giants. Um, I don't know where to go from this point, but uh, – all I'm going to say is if Ben McNew get fired after one season, I'm not saying that Brian Dable should. It wasn't um, one season, it was two. Well, his second season, he got fired. Yeah. Like, he had a good, he made the playoffs his first season. Yeah, the second Benny year. Then he got really fired. Bad. So, yeah. I don't want to say deja vu, but just uh, be on the lookout. I, I don't even know where to go for it. I'm not going to say they're going to, I don't think they're going to fire. Gonna I don't think they Dable will because it's a new regime. It's uh, it's Joe Shane and company now. Shane, so. Shane and Dable, they're, 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 they're close knitted. They're not going to leave. They, they yeah, I don't think to... they will too. I think he'll get at least one more season. So here's how I'll break it down from the atmosphere type of game. It was electric, you know, atmosphere going into the game, you know, early on. The Giants got an early, you know, after giving up, you know, not scoring on their opening drive, were able to get a nice defensive stop. Kayvon Thibodeau had a big sack on third down, and the place went nuts. I went nuts. I'm like, finally, Kayvon got pressure. We got a sack on the quarterback because we had. Maybe one sack on the entire year going into that game. Then they punted away. We muffed the punt. Thankfully, recover it. But I cannot express how annoyed I was because that's how we lost to Seattle last season because of muffed punts. So it almost was deja vu right there. Then as the game goes on, um, you give up the touchdown to DK Metcalf. 
Then they make it seven to three, but the DK Metcalf touchdown pissed me off, by the way, too, because Deontay Banks, our first round rookie corner, you know, doesn't even look at the ball. He's just staring down DK Metcalf, and Metcalf took advantage of that and got an easy touchdown because he didn't look at the ball at all. Couldn't even make a play on it. You have to know that as a, as a corner, you have to look where the ball is going to because he didn't even bother to try. So, being that as it may, that happens. Daniel Jones then fumbles as because he got sacked and lost the ball as he was trying to run out of the pocket. That leads to a Kenneth Walker touchdown in the second quarter. And then you talked about that drive in the third quarter. I mean, the defense, I will say this. If there was any silver lining from this game for me, it was the fact that the defense did not play as bad as I thought. They gave up the touchdown to Metcalf. The Walker touchdown was basically um, – or sorry, the Metcalf touchdown was was off the short field. I, I mixed it up. Metcalf's touchdown was off the fumble from Daniel Jones. The Kenneth Walker touchdown was a seven play, seventy five yard drive. So that was their worst drive of the game. But that was the Drew Locke to Noah fan pass that you had mentioned, where the Giants missed a bunch of tackles, and that one that was really annoying to see. So they didn't play as badly as I thought. It couldn't it could have been better, but it could have been worse. But they gave the offense an opportunity to win this game. And they had a great chance in the third quarter. Late in it, they get down the field. There was a fourth down conversion where Jones ran out ran out and got a first down. And he just, you know, a second down in goal. He's looking at Paris Campbell. Does not even look at his second read. He just stares down the he just stares him down. And Devin Witherspoon, to his credit, read the read, picked it off, and ran all the way back to the house. And that was the game right there. Giants had no chance of coming back from that. And it's really unfortunate because you're hoping that Daniel Jones would, you know, after getting this contract, would make better strides, would make these extra reads that he needs to do in order to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, and he hasn't done that. A crazy stat for you, Johnson, that I found out in this uh, today: the Giants had two passes over air yards of ten yards in this game. That sounds about right. Everything was a checkdown. It was either a checkdown, a bubble screen. Or a, a short slant of five yards to the outside. They did not. They, that's not a winning success in the NFL. And I don't know if that's Stable's fault. It could be Mike Kafka's fault too, because he's the remember he's the offensive coordinator and he calls the plays. Mike Kafka here. And it's just a multitude of bad things. There, like I said, there is realistically, from my point of view, nothing where I could say, "Oh, this is a silver lining going into our next game." Nothing went right. Special teams was bad. Offense was horrific. You mentioned they gave up 11 sacks. But even if even with those 11 sacks, Daniel Jones still did not have good throws in this game. Even when he had time in the pocket, he was still making some really bad decisions. Probably, in my opinion, his worst game as a quarterback in the NFL. And it just was not pretty whatsoever. And I'm even including the Dallas game in week number one. I, I just... There was no light at the end of the tunnel because you realistically should have won this game. Seattle had realists, in my opinion, had no business winning. The Giants just gave the game away. And now you go to one and three with the loss instead of being two and two, which could salvage your year. And now look at your next two games. You're going to Miami and you're going to Buffalo. That's pretty much a, a death sentence right there. You're going to go to one and five. And I'm at the point where I don't know if the Giants can win another game this season. That's how badly this has been. They played so poorly throughout these four, four games I think they've been outscored in prime time 77 to like 13 or something like that. It, it, what I don't know the exact number, but it, maybe 16. It's horrible. And I don't know what what it, they can do to salvage the year. If Saquon and Andrew Thomas come back or when they do come back, I don't even know if that salvages either way because the offensive line has been putrid. And it's been over a decade of trying to rebuild the offensive line. It shouldn't be taking this long. Something has to give. I don't know how much more as a Giants fan we can take of the offensive line being this poor. And that if, that, if there's any criticism I have of Joe Shane was we didn't address the offensive line in the offseason besides drafting John Michael Schmitz, who I think could be good for us. But they need a right tackle because Evan Neal, in my opinion, cannot play right tackle. He's got to move inside the guard. Uh, they need uh, another guard on the left side because I, I just it just hasn't been working. They have had points where... A lot of people are complaining that Darren Waller needs to get involved in the offense. They have Darren Waller blocking most of the time because 
the offensive line is so bad that they need another blocker. And you don't see Darren Waller get targets. That's why I think he had one target the entire game last night. So I, I don't know what you could do to salvage it. I don't like their chances in the next two weeks whatsoever. And at this rate, we're now at the point where the Gi- where going into the year, I was hoping for maybe another postseason run, at least get to the playoffs as a wild card, to now we might just have to get we might just have to, you know, wave the white flag and just maybe tank for a top pick in this year's NFL draft. I hate to I hate to say it, but that's where I'm currently at. All right. With that said, and with this in mind, let's move yeah. on to our next segment, the mushing hour. Everyone's favorite, favorite time where we give you the hottest picks uh, on the year for on a week to week basis. Uh, just to kind of refresh everyone, uh, I went five and three. Grace won five and three. Unfortunately, Nick, you went three and five last week. But, yeah, I should not uh, pick the Giants. You could always listen. I pick the Patriots every week, so it happens. I That's know what true. you mean. I trust so, the Patriots too. Well, yeah. Should have done that. Anyways, <laughs> let's go into the uh, the mushing hour where we and just kind of do a rapid fire for our viewers at home. Uh, let's start with game number one: Chicago Bears on the road going to uh, Washington. The Commanders going to a FedEx Field in oh, Northern boy. Maryland uh, it is not Northern Virginia like I thought it was. It is um it is Maryland. So thank you for Russell for correcting me. Uh, it is Washington minus six and a half favorites at home. 44 and a half is the slated over under. I'm going to say bears plus six and a half because I think the commanders uh, and the bears both coming off losses, but uh, the commanders kind of blew it. Uh, but the bears well, also kind of blew it, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just trust Justin Fields more than Sam Howell as strange as that sounds. Okay. So give me bears at least to cover. Well, I will say, uh, as, I'm, as I'm looking at the lines again, the line did change down to minus five and a half. I don't know if that changes your opinion whatsoever. I'm, I'm still just... keeping it at six and a half. Okay. Now, I remember this game last year, and it was a stinker. It was really bad. The Bears were a yard short of getting the go-ahead touchdown and lost on the field goal. Um, there's got to be a point in where they end this losing streak. They, they, just, they, they just can't keep this going. But I don't know... <laughs> I don't know when it ends. I think Washington is is not that bad of a team. I think they played really well against the Eagles. It just didn't go their way. Six and a half, though, is tough. And the way these Thursday night games go, uh, they get really ugly. So with that in mind, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Washington. I'll go Washington minus five and a half. I'll go with the uh, the current spread. All right, all right, all right. Okay, the next game we have is our London game. The Jags have been in London for over a week now. We have Jacksonville Jaguars versus Bills in London. It's technically Bills' home game, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and spread is Buffalo minus five and a half, over under 48 and a half. Give me Jaguars plus five and a half. They've already been situated. They're on that time zone for a week. They are getting acclimated there. They're going to have the advantage. I don't think they're going to win, but Trevor Lawrence will keep it close after having kind of an embarrassing week a, a couple weeks ago. He hasn't been playing great, but I feel like this is the game where he breaks out. They're not going to have uh, their top cornerback, the Bills. Uh, is it Tredarius White that tours? Yeah, Tredarius White Achilles? is out now with a torn Achilles, I believe. Torn is injuries. Yeah, Torres Achilles. He's out. So look out for Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk to run a muck in that in that backfield or in that um, against that back seven. Uh, I don't know how to feel about Jacksonville. They're kind of a weird team right now where I expect them to be better, but they haven't played as great, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo minus five and a half in this one. I think the Bills have looked like the team that we've expected the past two weeks and really had a good showing this past week. I do think the time travel will be an issue considering Jacksonville's already been in London. But I still think the Bills come out on top just because I think at the end of the day, they are the better team. All righty, Ben. Sounds good to me. Uh, let's go to the next game. We have the, oh boy, Giants yeah. <laughs> at the Dolphins. Uh, Miami minus 11, fav- point, minus 11 point favorites at home over under slated at 50. Uh, give me the Giants plus 11 because um, they got a rebound, right? <laughs> they have to rebound, so Giants plus 11. Uh, I hate to tell you the shots that after what I saw last night, I don't know if there is any rebounding. I'm going to go with Miami minus 10. I'll do it all in the spread. All right, I respect that. 
And we have the next game. We have New Orleans Saints visiting the New England Patriots. My Patriots at home. New England minus one and a half point favorites at home over Undersley at 40. Uh, prepare for field goals and lots of field goals. Uh, I'm, I don't pick against my team, so Patriots money line. You should probably fade me, though. <laughs> I've been spurned by the Patriots now twice in this season. Do I do it again? It, it, what is the... um? The definition of insanity, Johnson, where you do something, you keep doing over it over and over, and over, and over again, again. a different result. Yep. And call me crazy and call me insane. I think I'm going to take New England money line again. Oh, boy. I well, don't like the Saints. There's our first mush. There's our first mush. I just don't like the Saints. I don't think they're that good. You know what? You know what? You know what? I'll stay away from every aspect of the game. I'll Here's what I'll do. For this game is a 40-point over-under. Take the under. It's the Saints and the Patriots. The problem is, though, no, no Judon and Christian Gonzalez. I wonder if Olave is going to have himself a big game because uh, of that. Maybe you still have Javiel Peppers back there. You do. That's true. Just so I trust the offenses is the question. I don't know if I can. I I will go with the under for this game. I'll say with the under. I can't trust right, both these teams. I don't know if both these teams could put up 20 points. All right. Uh, speaking of 20 points, uh, Ravens at Steelers for, uh, for our next game. Baltimore minus three and a half point favorites on the road. 38 is the slated over under. Give me Ravens minus three and a half. And I think they're going to win by a score of like 14 to zero. So I would also take the under. But yeah. My official picks is Ravens minus three and a half. Especially with no with potential no Kenny of Pickett, no Kenny Pickett. No Pat Fryer move. Yeah. yeah uh, you're one injury away from getting Mason Rudolph out there. So. And George Pickens, if he gets hurt, then you're you're down to your third or fourth string wide receiver being your number one guy. So the Steelers are in a rough time right now, and the fact that this is a close spread is kind of kind of weird to me. So I will I will also take Baltimore, and I will go minus three and a half too. So there officially is our first mush. All right, we have our first mush. Congratulations to the uh, the Steelers. Yeah. The Steelers are winning this week. All right. Uh, the next game we have are Cowboys at 49ers. These are two high-powered Sunday offenses meeting each other on some Sunday night football. Thank you, Nick. We have the Cowboys on the road visiting Santa Clara. And the over-under is San Francisco. I'm sorry. The over-under is 45, and the spread is San Francisco minus four. Give me 49ers minus four. I don't trust the Cowboys, especially after what they did to the Patriots. Uh, they're going to play a real team this week, and they're going to they're gonna realize really fast that the 49ers are this uh, – unstoppable machine run by a quarterback that refuses to throw the ball more than 10 feet. So he can't throw a pick. Yeah. I think you'll see a big game out of Christian McCaffrey at the end of the day. I don't think it will be Purdy. That will be the reason why they win. It will probably be McCaffrey once again, but then again, that's been most of the time for the 49ers so far in the season, but I do see this being a very high scoring game. So I'm going to take the over for this one. I think there's a potential for a 30 to 27 final between these two. Uh, the defenses are kind of weird. The Niners have been on and off, you know, on and off so far to start the season. Cowboys obviously don't have Tre'Davious. Um, I was Tre'Davious White again. Uh, Trayvon Diggs right now in the year. They had a great show against the Patriots, obviously, but the week before really struggled against the Arizona Cardinals. They've been able to take advantage of, advantage of some bad offense so far throughout the first four weeks. They finally play a good offense in the Niners. I think you'll see a little bit of cracks in that armor of defense, and I see a nice high scoring game between the two. All righty, Van. And for our final game, we have the Green Bay Packers on the road going to, I was going to say Oakland, but to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. The they, should, they should Bowl. still be in the Bay Area. Okay, so we have the Devontae Adams Bowl here, like Nick said. Green Bay minus two favorites on the road. 44.5 is the slated over under. Uh, Josh McDaniels is terrible, and he's going to keep losing games. So give me Green Bay minus two. I will go Green Bay minus three. I'll take the full field goal in this one. Um, you said it, Josh McDaniels is really bad. I think Devontae Adams will want to. I think Devontae Adams is in do is in line for a big game just because of the you know the impact of it being against the Packers. But, but nonetheless, the Packers are the better team on paper. Um, I feel like this is going to be an ugly game, personally, just because anytime watching the Raiders on primetime, it's not really fun to watch, except for Devontae. So, nonetheless, I will take Green Bay minus three to win it. They'll get back on track after that loss to Detroit. 
All right, all right, all right. So that concludes the mushing hour for this week. And Nick, before we uh, sign off, do you have anything to say to our wonderful listeners at home? Uh, I'm in pain and suffering. I know Johnson is too, but if not for our teams being terrible, it's been a very, very electric season, electric start to the NFL season. But I just, I've just been down so bad. Like it's went what went down last season for my team. And now where they're back at, I'm back to the old, uh, terrible days. Johnson, just think of this. At least we have the Knicks, uh, Knicks coming up soon. We have the Knicks and we got St. John's with Rick Patino. So and I have the New York Rangers ahead. as well. So, that is what I'm looking forward to because football has been terrible for me. But nonetheless, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Week four has commenced in the NFL season, and now we move on to week number five. My New York Giants and your New England Patriots, Johnson, unfortunately, look like crap. But maybe they pull off a huge win this upcoming weekend. Who knows? We'll have to find out. And we'll see you all next week here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.